landed a rover on Mars. I think it's a perfect time to talk about education. It needs to be part of the reformation, revolution, whatever you want to call it. The way that we are thinking about how we need to change, let me tilt my camera correctly, need to change as a society and fight back against the oligarchs, against the globalist. Education must be part of this. We must be thinking about how we not only educate ourselves, how we think about solving problems, our worldview, but also where are we sending our children and how are we educating them? Because no matter what we think, if we just send our children to Caesar, we're going to get back Romans. We're going to get back globalists. We're going to get back evolutionists. We're going to get back people that think like what we are trying to fight against now. So education has to be part of the reformation, the revolution that we are going through. And we're going to talk about that today. Welcome to HTBT. My name is Matt Williams. Thank you for listening to the show. Hope you guys had a great week. I, you know, there's so much bad news happening, but I'm still very optimistic because I hear from a lot of you and I'm seeing a lot of different people fighting, waking up, pushing back, getting involved locally. And that is one of the most blessing, blessing, uh, blessings, one of the most, <laughs> the, one of the best things I should say about going through hard times is it reveals character, it refines us, and it gets us moving and it gets us engaged. And I'm seeing that. And that's a wonderful thing. I'm so thankful for it. I'm, I'm seeing a renewed focus on the declaring the pronouncing the emphasis on Jesus being Lord of all. I'm seeing it from other people besides just this network, which I can't um, explain to you how happy that is because that is our solution. If we do not, no matter what we talk about, education, politics, business, economics, if Christ isn't the center, then it's all for naught. We're not going to fix it. We're not going to be unified anymore. We're part of the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Go over to flfnetwork.com, put an HGBT in a memo field, get a sweet mug like the one behind me, get tons of other benefits. Uh, you, I think you might even get another mug as a bonus right now. And so you can be uh, drinking along with us, coffee, tea, or whatever adult beverage you want to put in that mug. <laughs> Sneak it in. Uh, you can email me, Matt, at howtobuild10.com. Find me on Gab at Matt Williams. Thank you for all of you guys watching over there on Gab TV. Please subscribe on both my profile and Gab TV. That'd be great. I was watching the landing of the rover. I was watching the landing of the rover. And it was just the most funny thing to me was that I was watching the epitome of science, data, research, or supposed to be the organization in our government that should be the epitome of all of that, right? If you think scientists, you think advancement, you think of genius, you think of people that stick to the numbers and to the facts, you think NASA. You think NASA. And I was watching these people celebrating what they're going to find on Mars and what accomplishments this was for science and all this good stuff. And they're all wearing masks. I even saw one with double masks. Which it's even progressive liberalism, even, even this weird 
cult religious aspect of wearing a mask, the religious garment, is penetrating the most scientific among us. And you might be saying, well, there's science, science and data to support wearing masks. It could help even a little bit. Now, this is why it's so shocking and funny to me from a NASA perspective. You may be thinking that because you don't really have a science background. You haven't read all the studies. But the studies that support, quote unquote, masks are the types of studies where they put a bunch of hamsters in two different cages with a tube connecting them and puts a mask on the tube covering it so the airflow that only passes goes through the mask and they have one group of hamsters or mice or whatever they use and they have COVID and they see how much it transfers over to the next cage. That is the scientific experiments. But the other experiments, the ones that are getting suppressed, I'm thinking of the one that happened in Europe where there was a random sample, an actual scientific study of humans living normal life, not hamsters in a hamster cage, was suppressed, wasn't able to be published for the longest time. And then when they finally were able to publish it in a journal, and this isn't like right-wing crazy conspiracy theorist kinds of people, but actual scientists being able to actually publish it into a scientific journal to be peer-reviewed, it showed that there was a 0.03% difference between people wearing masks and not wearing masks. A statistical, uh, there is no difference statistically between the two. So you do have studies like the hamsters saying that masks could help. And then you have the actual studies on scientific basis, random sampling that gets political pressure not to publish. Those are the ones that are saying they don't matter whatsoever. And yet still we see the scientific community, the epitome of it happening in our in NASA where they are all wearing masks together not social distancing still hugging still high-fiving but they got to wear the mask because they got a virtual signal they got a virtue signal they got to put the the religious garb on of the state yeah you thought like old time uh, Christian conservatives wore the ones with all the head garbs and all that stuff nope it turns out the state have their own head coverings as well it's just all over your face Another thing that was just interesting to me is they talked about how there was water on Mars 3.5 million years ago. And I was just thinking again, like, how do you measure scientifically how old a planet is, how old a planet is that you've never been on? And definitely where you don't know everything that goes on on that planet, for sure, being Mars. We just don't have enough data. Let's just be honest here. And I was just going through and reading through how they discover things. The half-life of carbon-14 is 5,730 years old, and they do some math, and that's all well and good. Those processes may work out. I've heard in the past, I could be wrong, where they've carbon-dated things that are alive, saying they're thousands of years old. I don't know if that's true or not. But one of the things that they are assuming in this is that as they're making these calculations is that they everything has the same starting point of this full, uh, let me see here. Let me see if I could read this little part of it too. So when the living things die, they stop taking in carbon-14 and the amount that's left in their body starts a slow process of radioactive decay. Scientists know how long it takes for a half-life of a given quantity of carbon-14 to decay. 
a length of time called half-life, that allows them to measure the age of an organic piece of matter, whether it's an animal skin or skeleton, ash or tree ring. By measuring the ratio of carbon-14 to carbon-12 and it comparing the quantity to the carbon-14 half-life, they can make all these assumptions of how old something was. And then they have these other processes as well for how older things are. Um, uranium and thorium, this is where I wanted to go, are such large isotopes, they're bursting at the seams. They're always unstable. These parent isotopes each break down in a different cascade of radioscopic, radioisotopes before they wind up as lead. We, each of these isotopes has a different half-life ranging from days to billions of years according to the Environmental Protection Act. Just like radiocarbon dating, scientists calculate the ratios between isotopes, comparing them with their respective half-lives using this method. Scientists were able to date the oldest rock ever discovered, 4.4 billion year old xyrocone crystal found in Australia. So this one rock has survived everything else <laughs> on the planet Earth. But this is a point I wanted to make with this and I just thought this was something for us all to chew on is the Christian story is not that things were created out of nothing at the infant stage uh, creation 6,000 years ago, but that things were created in a mature state. Adam and Eve specifically were created in a mature state. They were not babies that had to learn how to crawl and walk all on their own, but Adam was created as a mature human being and had a job, had roles, had speech, had an understanding, had language, and these different things. God put those things in him. And so he would be aged differently. Even though he was a day old, he would have been aged by today's standards as 30 or 33 or 35 or well, however old he was. I don't know. Maybe he was 60. Maybe he was 100. And so too with creation. So all of these assumptions that, yeah, maybe assuming all things have been the way that they always are, with these half-life life isotopes that it would seem to be 4.4 billion years ago. Or maybe God just created some of these things with these different elements where it seems that way. That thought never crosses these people whatsoever because they aren't scientific for the most part. They're religious. And when I'm saying scientific, we need to differentiate between the religion of science and actual science. I have nothing against scientific experiments, having a hypothesis, testing it, retesting it, all of those things. That is fantastic. I am a huge science lover, but we have to differentiate these kinds of things and these assumptions made that are baked in to these ages to fit their narrative because they want to deny God. But this is the thing too, is because they make these assumptions and never question them, even though they're not scientific, they're religious because you can't test them in a laboratory. You can't, you can't do experiments and repeat it, the results over and over again. You're making assumptions with how long things have been around, that things had a infancy and weren't created into maturity and all of those different things, but that you are embracing a culture of death. You're embracing the survival of the fittest, that only the fit survive. And so through death, people evolve into becoming greater and stronger. And you think about how that is bled into our medical, our, I mean, our medical sciences and all of these different things where we are trying to kill more than we are trying to build up our immune systems. It just seems like that those kinds of beliefs and uh, belief systems, they bleed into everything that we do. 
And it, I'm just specifically going back to cancer. I mean, that's been in the news lately with Rush Limbaugh and stuff like that. The solutions, for the most part, are to kill, to survive past the virus or past the cancer or past the bacteria or whatever it is. It's not to figure out the better way to optimize how God created the body and how we can look and discover things on earth to help us. That's I'm actually a pretty big fan of alternative medicine. I don't, I'm not saying that I'm throwing out traditional doctors. I've always gone to traditional doctors, but I love their thought process. Even if it's not from a Christian perspective, they have elements of common grace to it. As they're looking for earth and nature and the things that God created to help and build up strong immune systems and do preventative medicine, I think that is a lot closer to biblical base than a lot where our majority of our medical field is, where a lot of it is focused on the based on this theory that we are surviving only because we're stronger than other things and that there's this element of glorifying death to it. Opposed to trying to figure out how God created our bodies and things like that. Um, I just that's why I love a lot about even with just uh, births and being having your a child born in a hospital that is a Christian based versus one that has kind of left those roots and thinking of the seventh uh, day Adventist church I went to and how much they try to relate to their belief in the Bible and their Christianity. Uh, there's a world of difference even from simply of having a place to put your kid, and nursery so you can sleep versus making you sleep with your kid from the very beginning. I mean, those are the kinds of things that we could be thinking about and changing with returning to Christ being Lord of everything. We're going to take a break, and then I want to talk about the the scary institutional framework or De- like deifying of it almost that we put it on such a pedestal that it's so intimidating to think that we could survive without public education without the state educating our children because that's one of the hurdles that we're going to have to get over we're going to have to stop letting our kids be educated by the state and i just want to develop that a little bit more when we get back first i want to talk to you about um cube money cube with a cube money.com slash htbt if you are looking to save money, you're looking to hit some goals, you're trying to figure out a way to discipline yourself and to save up for maybe a house or a car or cash payment or whatever, maybe you just really like having the cash envelope system where you have envelopes that are designated for certain parts of your budget in the month and you put your cash in there and that cash goes to that envelope and that envelope only. If you're looking for a way to digitize this, this is for you. CubeMoney.com slash HDBT. They help you stick to a budget, help you save money. They help you spend money and not do those impulse purchases. And if you are looking to digitize the cash money envelope, it's just not convenient for you or you're looking to be more efficient with your spending, be able to order online and those kinds of things. Well, check this out. This is for you. CubeMoney.com slash HTBT. CubeMoney with a Q. CubeMoney.com slash HTBT. You could try it out for free, create an account, use their basic features. If you like it, you can upgrade or just keep their basic features and they will help you achieve your goals. Check it out, cubemoney.com slash HTBT. I was thinking about this this morning and I put it as one of the top five biggest lies that we believe as parents. And I don't know, maybe it is in the top five, maybe it's not, but I think it's definitely a big one for us. It's the idea that we can't compete as parents with the educational institutions that were created by the state. 
And what I mean by that is there is no way that I, as a parent who am not a trained teacher or trained professor, educator, can teach my kids writing English, math, civics, like the schools who are dedicated to it. I don't have time. I'm not, I'm too busy. I don't have the education myself. I don't even remember all of the things that I learned writing English, math, civics, and all those different things. And in that last point is where I really want to make my case for this. How many things do you remember from elementary school, junior high, and high school? You, we learned how to write for most of us. <laughs> that is something that we did learn that I have remembered myself. I know how to cur write cursive. I know how to write. Pr I knew how to print. I went to private school for some part of my life, a lot of public school, but went to private school as well. We learned how to type. That has been very helpful in typing on a keyboard. I learned how to add, subtract, multiply, and divide. I did get into a little bit of calculus in high school. I didn't learn much about civics. All of my understandings of how the government work came after that. Science, for the most part, they're lying to you, telling you that you're billions of years old, that you came from an ape. How much, as an adult, do you really remember in elementary school, junior high, and high school? And for me, the answer is not much. I don't remember a lot. Even the more advanced courses that I took in math and things like that, if I haven't remembered them, if I, I know statistics today because I went to college, I, I have got my master's, heavy statistics uh, emphasis on the, a lot of those classes, and I love them because of my politics and like polling and I find those interesting and variations and all that stuff. I keep up with it and so I know more about it. But it wasn't because of elementary school, junior high or high school that I know statistics. It's because as an adult, I chose to continue in educating, learning, being familiar with it, just like a language. You can learn elements of a language and then stop using it and totally forget it. Now. Let me ask you this, as a parent, maybe as a hybrid or somebody who just is taking ownership of their kids and maybe it's not completely homeschool, maybe it's private school, maybe it's a co-op, maybe I don't know what it looks like for you. But my whole point of this is to thinking about the scariness of competing with a whole institution with dedicated teachers is we don't remember that much. <laughs> and if you think about the things that you need to survive in what you're doing today, how often are you doing derivatives from calculus and what you do? You may, you may be doing that as an engineer or other higher professions of education with math and those kinds of things. But those are things that can be taught and learned in trades, after school emphasis with tutors and those kinds of things. But you have the ability to teach your kids basic math. You have the ability to teach your kids writing, spelling, English, basic principles. You could teach people, you could teach your kids about science and not have to indoctrinate them and have them exposed to the lie that we're nothing but animals and we mean nothing in this universe. You have all that you need. You don't have to teach them and have them go through every single thing that the institutions have because you don't remember it all anyways. And so, as we are thinking about pushing back against the system, pushing it back against the elites, we have to remember not to include 
or not to throw away our kids' education and throw them to them to be indoctrinated by them. We need to keep them from going to those places as we fight and push back for our freedoms. And we need to break down that facade that those institutions can educate your kids better than you can. They can't. They don't. And the things that you need to teach them, you are capable of doing. You are capable of getting them to a place where they could go to college and then do the in-depth mathematics. You have the ability to get them to the place where they can then pursue higher learning. Or even by the time, honestly, my kids are at the college age, they're probably not going to college. College is probably not going to look anything like what I went to, what you went to. So we need to start breaking down these facades, not just in the government, not just in our politics and the elections and all these different things, the stock market, but in our education system as well. We need to take back education for ourselves and for our kids. There's nothing more important than educating our kids, discipling them towards Christ with the understanding that God made it this all and that everything we're doing is to discover his creation and to reveal things about his nature and his glory and that God put these things on earth for us to discover and for us to get pleasure and joy from for his glory for his glory and that's going to radicalize how we do medicine it's going to radicalize how we discover planets like Mars it's no longer well did water exist 3.5 million years ago based on our religious views or maybe it's what does God want us to learn at Mars? What can we use to further uh, life here on Earth? What can we do to advance medicine? What can we do to advance robotics? What can we do to further uh, help people and preach the gospel and love people? That's a completely different mindset. And we have gone down the destruction mode, the death of the glory of glorification of death for so long. We have to break it. And it starts in elementary school. It starts at the infant stages of our kids' lives. And we can do it. God has equipped us with everything we need to do, what he has called us to do, what he has called us to be responsible for. I want that to be encouragement for you. Go talk to people that have done it themselves. Go talk to people that pulled their kids out of public school. I'm telling you, I don't know one of them that regrets it. Not one. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Or no, it's Friday. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great Sabbath. Have a great Lord's Day. We'll talk to you Monday.